the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So we've been discussing the book by His Holiness Pope Shenouda about the um, diabolic wars. And again, the focus of this book is to illuminate us and to enlighten us as to the reality of the spiritual warfare that we've been having and that we have all throughout our life. And we spoke about in this series um, all of the ways that the devil tempts us. There were many, many ways that His Holiness uh, enumerated for us. And we're speaking now also about the ways that we respond, like how do we overcome these spiritual attacks that the devil um, attacks us with. And just as a quick overview here, we said um, the first was overcoming is possible. Like we're able to overcome the devil through the power of God. The second is we should not be afraid. The third was we should resist the devil. We should have active resistance and not just give in to him. The fourth, we should have faith and believe that, that, that with the power of God we are able to overcome. The fifth was with humility, not believing that we ourselves are able to conquer him, but that God is the one who is conquering him through his grace. The sixth is by wisdom and discernment, so that we can be discerning of what's happening, like discerning like of our, um, our falls, discerning of the temptation we're experiencing, like discerning all of these things, so that we can be aware uh, of, of his attacks. The seventh is by counsel and confession, meaning accountability, like we are getting the guidance and counsel of other people, and that we're revealing our thoughts, we're revealing our actions, we're confessing our sins. This is, um, helps us to overcome um, the devil. And then the eighth that we discussed last time was watchfulness, watchfulness and caution. Not allowing ourselves to just do anything, but to always be alert, be disciplined, thinking ahead like is a certain action going to lead me into sin um, or not. So we'll continue now with number nine. Sorry, we're having technical issue. Um, okay, so by pr the, the, the number nine is by prayer and fasting. When the Lord Jesus Christ came uh, with his disciples and he sent his disciples out to serve in different ways, and one of the things they tried to do was to cast out someone who was demon-possessed, and they were not able. And they came to the Lord and they said to him, you know, why were we not able to cast it out? And his response to them in Mark chapter 9, it was, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Which means what? Like the strongest of the demonic bondage and attacks and, and the, the, the strongest power of Satan can only be cast out through the power of God. Only through the power of God. So here Christ is saying it is only by prayer and fasting that you can cast this out. And why is this important? Because a lot of times we understand our problem. You know, like maybe at the very beginning of a temptation or maybe someone developing an addiction, they're not aware that it's happening to them. And they think, you know, I'm in control and I can control my thoughts, I can control my actions, I'm not actually subject to anything, I'm not in bondage, I, I am the one in control. But after some time, maybe they begin to realize, no, I really have a problem. I really have a sin, uh, maybe a beloved sin, one that I hold dear to myself, one that I'm not able to let go of, one that even though I'm aware that it exists and I acknowledge that it is destructive and harmful, 
no matter what I do, I'm not able to overcome it, right? And it's at this stage when maybe we begin to think like we're taking it seriously. We know that it exists. There's something we have to change. And so we begin to think to ourselves, what should I do, right? And it's easy to come up with all kinds of techniques, uh, ways that I can, you know, try my best to fight against the sin, right? But sometimes this is where we stop. And we say, you know what, I'm going to try harder. You know, maybe when we fall into sin and we regret it, we tell ourselves, "What? no, I have to change. I'm going to change. And I'm going to fight harder next time. And I'm going to do things differently next time. And we're thinking through all the steps and all the things that we need to do, which is good, okay? But if this is all we do, we will find that we are still not able to overcome. Because the issue is not that, is not an issue of the realization of the sin or the acknowledging that the sin is destructive or the hating of the sin. The issue is the weakness, the personal weakness. You know, it's like if you give somebody a really heavy weight and you tell them, I want you to lift the weight. Well, they can look at the weight. They can identify the weight is there. They can realize the weight is very heavy. But knowing all those things is not going to give them the strength to be able to lift the weight, right? Lifting the weight requires strength that they just don't have. And that's one thing that we as Christians need to acknowledge in ourselves is that we alone do not have the strength to overcome sin, right? We do not have the strength to overcome sin by ourselves. And this is what the Lord is saying. Like he's saying, if you want to fight against the devil, if you want to cast out a demon, like what he's saying here, to the apostles, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting, right? So prayer and fasting is what? It's a supplication to God to do in us what we cannot do, right? We're studying, or we just finished studying the book of Joshua and the Bible study, and all throughout the book of Joshua, we see this example of God working together with man, right? Man is fighting, God is blessing him. If the man does not fight, they lose. If God does not bless, they lose. Both things are necessary, right? So when we say this kind cannot come out by except by prayer and fasting, it doesn't mean just give it to God and God will take care of it 100% and there's no role for us. No, there's a role for us. There's, there's work to be done. There's struggle to be had, right? But the struggle by itself is insufficient to help us overcome sin because this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. So if we truly want to overcome and we truly want to be able to defeat the enemy, we have to attack it both from a human perspective and from the spiritual perspective, right? The spiritual perspective is the prayer and the fasting. The human perspective is what habits do I need to change? What, how do I need to change my lifestyle so that I can avoid a sin? What certain people maybe should I avoid? What certain media should I avoid? Um, what, what, how should I ch change my thoughts and my, my, my mind? And what should I do? I should read books. I should do other things. But even with all of this, Without the prayer and fasting, all of our efforts will be for nothing. And this is, what, this is what here the Lord Christ is saying. So we see the importance, right? We see the importance of this in order for us to overcome. Number 10, His Holiness mentions, he, he calls it, Away with you, Satan. Okay? And he's referring to saying the words and having this uh, kind, of, kind of thoughts towards Satan is to tell him away with you, right? And, and this, um, this is the same thing that the Lord Christ said to the devil, okay? Um, like, like in the, in the um, you know, in, in, the, in the war against temptation and against sin, 
to recognize that the devil is present there, right? To recognize the devil is, is, is present and warring against us. Sometimes we don't realize, you know, maybe in our times of greatest anger or times of greatest lust or, or times in, in where we are, we are the most greatly influenced by sin and we are just kind of taken in the moment not thinking, not aware of ourselves, not aware of what we're doing. And maybe in those moments, we are very influenced by the devil without realizing it at all. This idea of away with you, Satan, number one, acknowledges the devil is here now. The devil is working. You know, a, a lot of times people will get like married couples. They will get into big arguments um, on Saturday night or on Sunday morning before they go to church. And this is like the, 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 the demon attacking them to mess up their, their Sunday Right. So they don't go to church or, or they go to church, but they don't want to take communion or, you know, it, it like removes their peace in those moments. OK, so so to the realization that our current situation is being influenced by the devil and to say to him away with you. Right. To acknowledge the authority that Christ gave us over him. Again, it goes back to this cooperation between us and God. God told us that in his power, we have the authority over him, right? So to look at him kind of metaphorically and to say away with you, you know, like to, to say that, that I am choosing to cast you out, right? To cast you out of my life, to cast you out of the situation. And I'm seeking from God to give me like peace and, and, and restoration in this moment and not to indulge in the temptations that the devil is offering to me. Okay. So, this is a very strong spiritual action that we can take, okay? We take this action because we r realize and remember who is it that we are. We are the children of God. We have been given authority by God. We have the Holy Spirit. We are seeking to destroy the enemy. We do not want him to, to defile us who is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we call out to God and we seek his power and we tell the devil away with you, right? It's a, it's a strong act of faith. The fact that I'm able to tell the devil to be cast out, you know, like think about it from like the perspective of those people who are actually able to cast out devils from people who are demon possessed. What kind of faith do they have to have in order for them to believe that if they call out to this demon and say away with you, that the demon's actually going to obey them? What kind of faith is needed, right, for them to believe that because they believe that God is the one who is casting? Right. If we believe that God is with us, we will be able to do things that are impossible. Otherwise, when St. Peter called to Christ and he said, if this is you walking on the water, call out to me and I will come and walk on the water with you. This required a great faith. Right. I'm going to go walk on the water now. I'm going to go stand on the water. Right. And I believe that this is possible, not in my own strength, but in the power of God who is working in me. So so for us to do this, even when it comes to temptation, Say, I believe I can overcome sin. I believe that I am not the victim of sin. I am not in bondage to sin. But in the power of God, I'm, I'm, able, to, uh, I'm able to cast him out. You know, sometimes we, we believe that we are so in bondage that there is nothing that we can do, and we don't even try to call out to God. We don't even try to, to, you, you know, to say away with you, Satan. We don't believe that anything I do is actually going to make any difference. Kind of like if you can imagine like a person who believes themselves to be in a prison. You know, where you're in this room and there's the bars and you're inside the cell and you're convinced that you are a slave and that you cannot escape and there is no way to escape. But if you turn to the side, you realize one whole wall of the, pr of the prison cell is not there. Like you can walk out of the cell anytime you want, right? But we remain in the cell 
believing ourselves to be in bondage because we are not taking use and making use of the power that God has given us to escape, right? God has given us the means of escape. This is what he said. He said so that we would no longer be slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness, right? For me to be a slave of righteousness, it means that, that in the power of God, I am holy. In the power of God, I am a righteous person through the grace of the Holy Spirit working in me. And it is not that I am in bondage as I believe. The devil wants us to believe that we are in bondage, right? You know, they say about elephants and the circus that when they tie them up, they tie them up with this very thin rope, right, into one of their legs. And the elephant is a very strong animal. So if he moved his leg, he could very easily snap that rope, right? But he doesn't. He's, he remains where he is, right? And how is it that they do that? It's because when the elephant is younger, they hold him with a very heavy chain. And every attempt that the, the, the elephant makes to escape, they can't because the chain is holding them in place. So after some time, the elephant stops even trying to escape. And so they don't need to hold him with the chain anymore. They just hold him with this thin rope that he could very easily snap, but he chooses not to because he's stopped trying. He, he doesn't realize that he has the power to overcome, right? He doesn't realize that he has the strength to snap that, you know, snap that rope. That's the same way the devil is with us. He ties us with this very flimsy rope. It looks to us and it feels to us like it's a very thick chain, something that we're unable to overcome. But actually, in the power of God, we say, away with you, Satan. You know, away with you. If we are living in the, the power of Christ, then we are able to cast him out. Number 11 is facing sin with the word of God. Facing sin with the word of God. How do we know who we are and how do we know the power that we have? It's because we read the word of God and, and the word of God tells us. We read the words of Christ. We see the examples. We see the way that he worked in the lives of people. We understand the devil. We understand his attacks against us. We know the power that he has over them. We know the power that he gives us. All of these things, how do we know it? We know it through the word of God. And when we cast out the devil, right, spiritually speaking, we cast him out even using the same words of Christ. We cast him out with the words of Christ. We cast him out um, using the words of God himself. And this is a very powerful way for us to remind ourselves on a daily basis that the devil cannot overpower me. The devil cannot overcome me. I am more powerful than him in Christ. I am more powerful than him. I have authority over him. To remind ourselves of the truth all the time, all the time, all the time. As I said, because he wants to deceive, right? He wants to deceive. That's what he did to the very first human beings. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. He deceived Eve. He told Eve something that was false to get her to fall away and to be separated from God because he said something that was not true. So, so it's very easy for us to believe the lies, the lies that come into our thoughts, the lies that say you cannot overcome sin, the lies that say, well, even if you're able to overcome it once, you will fall again. The, all of these deceptions that come on us to make us kind of like surrender and say, well, there's no point in fighting. There's no point in trying, right? Because I know that I'm going to lose. When we read the word of God, we understand the truth. We understand who we are and the power that dwells in us through the grace of the Holy Spirit and we are able to overcome. The last section of the book, um, His Holiness speaks about the benefits of the diabolic wars, which is something maybe that doesn't come to our mind. Like, why would there be a benefit to being attacked? You know, like in the world, nobody says, oh, you know what, there's a benefit of our country being attacked by another country, 
You know, what is the benefit? Why is it that God even allows there to be diabolic wars? One thing that we know about God that he says is that he does everything for our good, right? He turns everything to be for the good of believers. So why does he even allow the diabolic wars? Why does he allow us to be tempted? Wouldn't it have been easier for, for us to just pray and ask God, God, do not allow me to be tempted anymore, and God will just remove all temptation? And isn't that what God wants? Doesn't he want us not to sin? So why doesn't he just stop? If he has power over Satan, why doesn't he just stop Satan from tempting us? And that's it. Like It's a simple thing for him to do. But His Holiness speaks about how there is actually spiritual benefit from being attacked, spiritual benefit from these wars. And he mentions the story of St. Paul the Simple, who was a disciple of St. Anthony. And he asked St. Anthony for him to be able to go live alone in solitude so he can experience the fullness of these diabolic wars against him so he could actually grow in faith. Okay, And so we'll speak a little bit about these benefits. The first benefit of the war is humility. You know, we say that pride is actually the worst sin, and it's the root of all sins. Why? Because in pride, I feel like I can handle everything by myself. I feel like I'm better than others. I feel like I'm not in need of anything. I, I reject even the grace of God working in me because I feel like I am sufficient in myself to fight anything and to conquer anything and to succeed at anything. But when I experience my weakness, right, when I am attacked, that is when I realize truly, uh, like, how weak I really am. You know, St. John Chrysostom, he speaks about um, the difference between a priest and a monk, okay? And he says, a monk can go and live in solitude and by themselves and not have to deal with people, right? And anyone could look at this monk and say, this monk is a very godly person because he is living kind of this godly, saintly, quiet life in solitude and prayer and fasting and so on. Then he says, if you take this person and then you put him in the midst of a community of people, and now he has to have the patience to endure and tolerate all the weaknesses of all the people around him, and then you'll find maybe that he loses his temper. you find maybe that he is not be as peaceful and as quiet and so on as he was when he was kind of isolated and away from everyone, right? Because we realize our weakness when we're put in a situation for us to be tested, right? Some people will say, you know, it used to be when I was younger, I was more spiritual. I used to pray more. I used to have time to, 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 to attend more liturgies and services, and I, I had more zeal and so on. But now I don't. Now I have all of these responsibilities and concerns and difficulties, and I'm not as spiritual as I was. You know, I would frame it differently. I would say the reason that we appeared to be more spiritual, maybe before, was because we were not pressured because we didn't have something fighting us. We didn't have all the responsibilities and the time constraints. Maybe before, it was so easy for me to find time to pray. I had plenty of free time. So I, would, I could pray, I could do other things, and I still had plenty of time to spare for me to do all the other things that I want to do. Whereas maybe now, my life is more difficult, and I have to push in order to make time to pray. It's not something that comes easily or naturally as before. So we interpret it as being, I'm less spiritual now than I used to be. But really, that's not the case. The case is that I just, I have more stress on me. I have more pressure on me. And it's revealing something about myself, maybe something that was there all along that I never saw. So the, f the war, the temptation, reveals to us our need for salvation, reveals to us the true human weakness in us. And then that makes us actually more eligible, more available, more able to be saved, 
because now I realize my sinfulness. You know, a person who has never been tested doesn't know themselves. A person who's never been tested believes themselves to be strong and without sin and able to, to manage everything, maybe even conceited or narcissistic, because I have not yet discovered the reality of my weakness that I'm failing, you know, that I'm failing in. If everything I've done in my life I've succeeded in, right, then I have a certain opinion or view of myself that's a false one. But now when I'm attacked, and, and it's a truly hard and harsh attack against me, and I fail, I realize and I grow in humility um, because I realize that I'm not maybe who I thought I was. The second benefit of the diabolic wars is prayers and holding fast to God, asking for his help, okay? Meaning, when a person is not attacked, maybe we have no urgency of prayer, right? Like when I'm not in any kind of special need or imminent, immediate, urgent need, maybe for me, prayer is something I have to force myself to do, something that I do kind of begrudgingly, something that I do I feel as a duty or as a checkbox to be checked off my list, something that I do maybe without even fully paying attention, s you know, speeding through my prayers. But then think about the times where you've prayed because there's some kind of disaster. You know, there's some kind of like tragedy that's happening and you are really turning to God with tears and you're turning to God really like seeking his mercy and his intervention because you realize that there is nothing within your power that can be done and you're only looking to God for his assistance, right? That kind of prayer actually helps us to grow in our faith and our connection to God more than anything else. But what drives us to that, you know? It would be wonderful if we could say that every day of the year, regardless of what's happening to me in my life, my prayers are fervent and deep and, and consistent and, and, and truly like I am present and focused in them. It would be wonderful for all of us to be able to do this. But we know ourselves and the reality is that that's probably not the case all the time, right? Probably our, our, our strongest prayers are when there is some urgent need. And that urgent need comes in the form of some kind of attack. There is some kind of pressure. There is some kind of consequence or, or circumstance that is putting pressure on us, that is then pushing us to turn to God um, in this way. So seeking God and, 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 and even fasting in those moments is something that we do truly from the heart, truly out of a, a feeling of need. So this is also a benefit. It helps us to grow in our prayer life. It helps us to grow in our connection to God. It helps us to feel really the need and necessity of God in our life. The third benefit he mentions is that spiritual wars are a call for compassion towards sinners, right? When everything in my life is going very well, it's hard for me to relate to people who are suffering, right? Because I don't, suffering for me in that moment is something kind of like I, I know what it is and I'm, I'm, I understand that there is a, such a thing as suffering, but suffering maybe I understand it from like a theoretical perspective, right? I understand the concept of suffering, but maybe I don't feel the, the, the depth of what suffering is in that moment until I taste it myself. And, and because of that, maybe I look at people who are suffering and it's hard for me to relate to them. Like it's hard for me to serve them. It's hard for me to show love for them. It's hard for me to sacrifice for them. It's hard for me to pay them much attention because maybe I trivialize what that suffering really is because I have yet to experience that same kind of suffering. But when we experience that suffering, 
we suddenly see all the people who have been suffering in a very different way. Maybe we've all had this experience where something happens and I begin to suffer and then suddenly I see around me like look at this person. This person's been suffering with this for years and this person's been suffering for this for years and I never realized, like I never realized the, the depth of pain, right, that they are experiencing. So when we are fought, it helps us to be compassionate and loving toward other people who have been fi fought similar to us. Number four, spiritual wars give us the personal experience. Personal experience. How is it that we know how to apply the scripture? How is it that we know like to have discernment and understanding in life and the spiritual life? It's because we have experienced God. We have experienced his work. We have experienced his presence. Not just that we have read about him, right? Not just that, that we understand concepts about God in a theoretical way, but that we have seen God's work in our life, right? And again, one of the ways that we see God work the most is through some kind of difficulty or problem or challenge. That's when we are the most attuned to God's presence. That's when we are the most ready for God to take action, to work, and to identify his work as being truly coming from him. When I feel like nothing, in, nothing I can do, there's nothing in my power that I can do to solve a problem, right? Um, and then I see God intervening and working, I realize immediately this is him, right? This is him. And that helps me to grow in experience, right? I begin to have experience with, um, you know, with what the spiritual life is, right? What does it mean to pray? What does it mean for God to work? You know, when people say, I, I hear the voice of God, what do we mean? We don't mean that there's a literal voice. We mean that we experience God's communication. We experience that God is somehow telling me, communicating with me. You know, he's telling me, go here. He's telling me, wait. He's telling me, I'm with you. How do we know this? It's impossible to really explain to someone who has never experienced this. That's why people think that like Christians are delusional, right? Like we have mental illness, you know? It's very hard to explain to somebody. What does that mean, right? But no, those who have experienced it know it's real. Those who experience it know. And we experience it when we go through these challenges and these sufferings and we turn to God and we grow in our personal experience with him. The fifth benefit is these wars are a blessing through which we gain crowns. Meaning God rewards us for this, right? God rewards us. When we go through suffering and pain um, with, with honor, with faith, you know, without blasphemy, but continuing to have faith in God and struggling, like Job, for instance, how many crowns did Job, you know, gain as a result of all the suffering that he went through? God did not allow all these things in his life to destroy Job. He, he allowed all these things in his life to reward Job. Because he knew that Job was a faithful man. He would continue to be faithful. And even though he suffered and he struggled, but in the end, what was the outcome for Job? His crowns, his reward, that God would reward him in heaven for all it is that he experienced and he endured because he remained faithful throughout. And of course, Job is an example to all of us, right? When we hear his story and we kind of compare ourselves to him and we realize that whatever he experienced was probably far worse than what we are experiencing, right? And yet he remained faithful. So we, we are rewarded by God because of the sufferings that we experience. Um, number six, these wars always give us the spirit of wakefulness and readiness, right? Um, the Lord said, let your ways to be girded and your lamps burning, right? When we become too comfortable in this life, 
right, and we start finding so much comfort in this life, then it's easy for us to kind of like tune out everything else, right? I'm just, I'm just comfortable. I'm comfortable in my life, and so I I'm not in need of anything. I don't need anything. I'm just comfortable doing what I'm doing. And for us, maybe even the concept of God seems far away, distant, you know, not really like important in that moment. But when we experience these attacks and these wars and these struggles, right, we, we now have a renewed sense of my constant need for God every day. Every day I need God. Every day is like, uh, you know, I'm calling out to him. I'm always now mindful. I don't want to waste my life with the things that are irrelevant and wasteful and, and just distracting. I'm now more attuned with what's important versus what's not important, right? And maybe we can all hear sermons about this, sermons about vanity, sermons about the love of the world, sermons about attachment to the things in the world and how we should not be attached. But nothing like real suffering will make us to actually be able to live that, right? To live and to realize, you know what? These things that I'm thinking about in the world so much, these are irrelevant. These are nothing. These are pointless. There's nothing about them that, is, that I should even be spending any of my attention on because life is too short for me to care about these things compared to the real important things in this life. It is only through experience and the experience of God in our life that we can begin to realize this. Number seven, spiritual wars make us powerful and not afraid. Meaning why? Because we see the power of God working. When we see God able to conquer the demons, when we see God able to fight against them, then we gain confidence for ourselves. We begin to think, you know what, it is not me. It is not me alone by myself. It is God working on my behalf. And so when I go into the next challenge, yes, there is some fear, there is some concern, but there's also the experience and the knowledge that just as I went through difficult things in the past, God will continue to be with me. Sorry, we're trying to finish because we're over time. Um, number eight, spiritual wars are a school of faith, meaning how is it that we learn to have faith? Again, it is not just by reading books. We learn to have faith by seeing God work. And the only way we see God work is for there to be a need, right? And that need can be something that brings suffering. We feel like there is a need. When, when the Israelites um, were slaves in Egypt, that was a strong need. And as a result, they saw what? God performed the miracles of the plagues, right? Why is it that God did the plagues? To free the Israelites. There would be no reason for that to happen unless there was some kind of strong need, right? So if we want to see God's working, right, and we want to increase our faith in him, there has to be some challenge. There has to be something for, for, for God to fight against. Number nine, spiritual wars express the principle of giving the devil equal opportunities. What, what does he mean by that? He means that um, by giving the devil the opportunity to fight us, essentially, now this is a, the reason why God rewards us, right? So he's giving the devil the, the opportunity. He's not preventing the devil from finding us because of these benefits that we are talking about. There are benefits for, that we receive. So that's why God does not prevent the devil from fighting, even as we see in the book of Job as well, where God gave the devil permission in order to tempt Job, and it was all under the, 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 the permission of God and not something that was out of God's hands. The last point is that spiritual wars open the door of the heavenly kingdom before us and determine our rank in it. Meaning God is going to reward us for our struggle and he will determine where we will be. You know, we believe that not everyone is going to have the same rank in heaven. Not everyone is going to be like St. George, right? Or the other saints. Where we will be is going to be based on this test. 
you know where 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 we are like when when in the parable of the talents when the master gave one servant five talents another servant two talents another servant one talent the the outcome is going to be determined what did you do what did you do with the talents that i gave you right and and having these challenges these wars that we are always fighting is a means for god to reward us so this is the conclusion of this series um and we've sp spoken about all of the demonic wars all the ways that the devil attacks us how we should respond what are the benefits of the attacks um and and in the end we believe that even though we are we are fought throughout our life yet we believe that god is always present he is always fighting on our side and all we have to do is turn to him and, and, and acknowledge his presence, seek his power, and then be able to overcome any attack that the devil sends our way. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask, O Lord, for your presence with us at all times, and we ask that you protect us from demonic uh, attacks. We ask, O oh Lord, that you reveal, O oh Lord, these attacks to us so that we realize that they are happening, so that we do not try to fight him alone and to fail, but to turn to you, O oh Lord, and to seek your strength in all things so that you would work in us and you would transform us and you would give us strength and faith to know, O oh Lord, that you will overcome him and that he will not overcome us. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.